Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are joined today by Robert Jackson. How are you doing, Rob? Hello. I feel like we need another intro when Rob's here now because it's like, he's a guest, but he's not now. He's like uh, kind of yeah, like he's a like, He's like a fixture mm, now. So now I have to do my own dishes and stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. yeah. Make my own bed. Oh, man. Yep, yep. It's like you're moving out again. Oh. Yeah. So we got a really cool show uh, planned. There's some really cool stuff in the pipeline for Ember. So let's dive in. But first, Robert, could you just really quick, just tell me, in passing, can you tell me what uh, what's Ember Octane? Well, Octane is colloquially used as a short form of octane rating, an index of a fuel's ability to resist engine knock at high compression, oh, which is I a see, characteristic so- of octane's branched chain isomers, especially mm-hmm. iso-octane, particularly okay. in the expression of high octane. To get better MPG in Ember. Out of your Ember, yeah, obviously. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. That, uh, that settles that one. Uh, let's uh, let's dive in then. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about is RFC 367, and it has to do with add-on namespacing in the module unification uh, file layouts. Is it a file layout? File system layout, yep. Cool. So it basically outlines uh, primarily the use of the use helper, which has uh, similar semantics to uh, import, and it's pretty neat. Rob, do you want us to just walk us through uh, some of the challenges with with like why why this is necessary and and what what were some of the problems that we were seeing in the Ember space? Yep. So the original module unification RFC proposed an alternative system to address helpers and components inside of an add-on, and that. Proposed system was using two colon syntax, like double colon syntax, and you'd say some add-on name, colon, colon, some component name, and then that's how you invoked it. But as we started going through things and like working on implementing that stuff, we identified a few problems. I think actually the, the largest problem was with the rising use of NPM scopes. So this would mean in the thing I just mentioned where you'd have add-on name, colon, colon, component name, now, add-on name can include an at sign, which doesn't sound that bad, but then you realize <laughs> that, hey, there's this whole other feature that we just worked hard to get out the door called named arguments, which use an at sign as a sigil. You know, you, th- you thought you were safe with the at sign, and then just NPM sweeps the leg out, legs out from under <laughs> you. Sweeps the leg, that's right. So the other thing that you have to realize is that there's nothing necessarily stopping MFM from adding any other arbitrary sigils at the beginning of package names, right? You know, That's it's just true. a string, right? Like, it's just a, a string, and it has a meaning, and they add it at, they could add others. So, use lets us sort of put it in a quoted string, and now we, you know, hey, anything the MPM supports or whatever registry we have supports is what, is, what works, Right. So, so they start using integers or or some other type that's not. I think a it's always got to be a string. I think it's always got to be. A string. If it's string like, we'll uh, we'll two i it, right? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I think the the two main things are usage of an at sign, a scoped package add on, is problematic because the at sign means named block invocation, and right. the other large issue was uh, where add ons provided subfolders of components or helpers. So, mm-hmm. so in, in those cases, like today, you would do like curly curly foo slash, uh, you know, foo add on slash some component name, right? And there was no good solution for that in angle bracket invocation land. Those are the biggest issues. Now, there's a few other constraints mentioned here, but those are the biggies. Yeah, you know, there were some there were some of these things that I didn't actually know were part of the the specification, like implicit main 
would be, uh, I'm guessing, the default export? Yeah, so like the idea was if you had an add-on name and you just did curly curly add-on name, it would like automatically look for this implicit main component thing. Oh, the main component. Okay, yeah. So like you'd have a main, which is like, ah, if you just get invoked with your name, then great, this is the component. Otherwise, any other name would have to use add-on name colon colon something. So it's just, the only thing that was talking about is whether you got to invoke something without colon colon. That right. was what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't know about the the automatic stripping of Ember dash and Ember CLI dash. Yeah. So it turns out, uh, because namespacing is hard and naming is hard, lots of add-ons and Ember-related things are prefixed with Ember or Ember CLI. And it would be, mm-hmm. at the time we did the first uh, modulification RFC, we thought that it would be too onerous to have to type Ember dash or Ember CLI dash every time you want to use like, like, a, like an add-on. So for example... Every time you want to do if EQ, you have to rewrite that to if ember-truth-helpers colon colon EQ, right? We thought that would be a bit too onerous, right? It's a little rough. Yeah. It's a right. little so, rough. We, so we solved that by removing ember-dash, which is also not, now it's still truth-helpers colon colon EQ, which sucked, but it's less sucky than ember-dash this, ember-dash-that, when everything was ember. But there's some there's some ambiguities there, right? Yeah, exactly, like, uh, exactly. So. There's significant conflicts there because you can have some CLI moment, yes, Ember moment. Yes, exactly. Oh wow, yeah, that's a good one. So uh, you bring up uh, the EQ helper. If I want to use that in an Ember app with the use helper, do I have to define every helper that I use? Will there no longer be like? Well, hold on. We we haven't described use yet. So let's let's back up for a second and talk about that for yeah, a minute. Right? Yeah, definitely. So the idea here is instead of the system that was defined in the original modular unification RFC, which was RFC number 143. We drop the colon-colon invocation syntax. We drop the main implicit main, quote-unquote, rules. And we remove the, like, auto-stripping of Ember or Ember CLI prefixes, right? And what we're replacing those things with, like, those were all added for reasons, so we need solutions to those problems. And what we're replacing them with are a new helper. It's more like a keyword, really, than a helper, that you use in the template called use. And it's very similar to import. It has lots of things that you would relate to modules, like ES modules, but it isn't exactly the same, so we didn't want to use the same word because it would cause more confusion than not. Right. So use lets you pull in a component or helper from a another namespace, basically, like an add-on, basically, and use it in your template. So, for example, if you... I think I keep saying add-on name, colon, colon, component name. So using those that exact example, you would say curly, curly, use, component name from quotes, add-on name. Like, that's how you would specify it. And then in your own template, in that template that had that use statement, you would just use component name as if it were directly there available for you. Like curly, curly, component name or angle bracket component name, depending on which format it is. And similar to... Other systems, like there's what you can alias. If you don't want to use the same name that the add-on gave it, you can say as, and you can give it a new name, things like that, right? Right. So so back to the uh, to the question, would I have to, at the top of my file, have a bunch of uses that would say, pull in like the truth helpers, for instance? So I think the default answer is yes. However, there is an escape hatch, which should be used pretty sparingly. There is this concept of a prelude, which is a single template that's used for declaring common use statements that are common across all of your templates. So the only time you'd be using this is when you think 80% or more of your templates are going to need a given component name or helper name. In that case, 
you would totally throw the use helper in the prelude.hps at the top level and you'd be good to go. Now, I think EQ could easily be uh, one of those things that you used so much. I personally think EQ and and or or should probably be keywords that are just provided by the framework, just implementation-wise. That is a totally separate argument, and we should make an RC for that separately. <laughs> I was but about I to think, say, it would require another RFC. I think that, that like and, or, not, and EQ probably are all things that should be built in, right? But anyway, sorry. So if those like rose to the uh, level of used by 80% or more of your templates, you totally would add them to your prelude. I think the biggest use case of the prelude, though, is translation helpers. Right. This is the thing where if you're doing internationalization, which most apps probably are, you're going to have this, like, often it's called T, just because it's short, though it's impossible to Google for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a T helper that you invoke in, like, whenever you're going to display text to the user, and that'll, like, go through the translation system and show the right localized version of the string, right? So you certainly right. don't want to have literally every single template import T, because that would be very annoying. So you would add that that helper to your prelude. Cool. I, I think uh, I recall from Matt's talk at Ember NYC, which uh, I think we briefly mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. I think you mentioned that preludes uh, will like stack, like add-ons could provide a prelude and then you could provide your own and then they'll like, it'll be like the last one wins kind of thing. Is that how that works? How does it, can you go into more detail around the prelude? Yeah. So basically we talked a bit about it. We've sort of bounced back and forth between letting add-ons have their own preludes that work in their scopes, and then add-on, the app has a mm-hmm. prelude which works in its scope and all that kind of stuff. And I think where this settles now, the prelude is only um, at the app level, and add-ons will not provide their own preludes. And because, like, rising to the bar of usage in 80% of your templates is, like, pretty uncommon, it's just going to be something that you add in your at your app, right? Like, an add-on can't know if you use Ember Truth Helpers that you're going to use EQ in, in a ton of your templates. Like, to my mind, there's very few cases where you actually want that, right? Where you have so so much shared use. It would, like, eliminate any ability to, like, tree shake those if they're just, like, like, Truth Helpers was like, hey, all of them are in the prelude, and now there's no way for your app to know which ones you actually use. Yep, exactly, exactly. And you could imagine, like, maybe do EQ and an OR or something. Like, that's fine if you think they're super common, right? To me... Personally, I think that having the prelude be an app-only thing and the app gets to decide the aliases and the names for the things, that makes sense to me. Every add-on that has its own templates should be using the normal add-on invocation. It would use its own uses for its own stuff, right? But if they're local, if, if a component is local to your namespace, you don't have to use use. So like within, you know, like an Ember Power Select, if there is a component inside the Ember Power Select namespace that it wants to use internal to its own templates, it would just invoke that, just like normal, just like you would use it, invoke right. it in your app, right? And with mod unification, those wouldn't modify the top-level global namespace. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. And then you, you'd have the, is, is there any sort of requirement on use to, like, maybe via template linter or something uh, that, ensures that they're at the top, like uh, imports are generally... Uh, There's a few constraints set up here. We probably shouldn't go over all of them, but the one that's uh, sort of a big deal is that you can't have conflicting use statements. So if you have a thing in your prelude, literally anybody else wanting to use that name again is going to be a syntax error. I think a compilation error, like at build time, it'll error, but you can't override. There's no stacking, right? Right. 
Right. So it's, again, you wouldn't override T, right? That, as an example, right? Like, because it means this very specific thing and to be super trolly to other code developers on your team if you changed what T meant in the given context, right? That would be pretty bad. So that's one constraint, right? Like, they just have to be unique and can't conflict. I don't think there's a specific requirement to have them be at the top, but I think that that would probably be a good linting thing. And it'd be very easy to lint. We could add it to the linter and have it be a nice default thing. Yeah, I was just thinking about all the different ways that you can make this relatively convenient. I feel like if there's only one place to look, like in the prelude or in in the add-ons directory, it would be good for editor integrations and linting could make sure that your imports are at the top so it kind of follow suit and you'd be able to find things where you need to. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and also like it, it makes it easier to identify, for example, like for editor, like talking about editor integrations, when you have the angle bracket invocation where you're using regular angle brackets and capital letters to invoke your components, having use bring in those components gives your editor even better feedback to jump to definition and show you, st- like it, it's just right. way nicer for that stuff. Now, that's by no means implemented or part of this RFC. It's just <laughs> something that's now possible because we know where it's coming from. Right. Yeah. So, but, but also, as a user, when you read the template, you'll know where it's coming from. So you'll know whose docs to read. You'll be able to go look at the README. Whereas today, in an app that has hundreds of add-ons in it, like a good-sized app, you know, you got lots of stuff you're pulling in because lots of people have made and shared reusable bits. Now you're in a template and you see Flummox component invoked and you have no clue where the hell that's coming from. And you've right. got to now... Like, you're, like, grepping your node modules folder to see who's providing this thing. And, uh, like, oh, no, they register it in initializer, so Lord knows. You're just totally, you know, up a creek without a paddle, right? Sure, yeah. I was thinking that this this does come with the notable trade-off. I mean, the prelude, obviously, is meant to, to deal with this, but your templates will become more verbose. Yes, you'll end up with more total lines in your template. But, again, we think that it's a good balance that, most of your templates are going to be invoking things from your app. Those don't need to use. You're not like importing locally right. from your app. Yeah, that's true. You're just curly, curly, my own component, right? You just use it. So we're only talking about pulling things in from add-ons where we think that the, like, if you had that name as a concept in your app, you wouldn't import it, right? You would just use it. So having a separate use statement to say, hey, this is, hey, uh, future me or future developer, this is, this is not a thing from the app. This is from somewhere else. That's actually a really good signal in my mind. Yeah, definitely. I know the exact pain that you're talking about where you're grabbing node modules where you're like, I don't know what add-on I need to look at to figure out what's going on in this particular section. Uh, and I end up like looking at the package JSON first and then being like, which one of these kind of looks like it imports a component? Yeah, it's it's bad. And then, and then of course, you default to grepping. Yes, yes. So uh, another aspect of this RFC is, is it's not just... So we've been focusing mostly on the template side, but for the template side thing to work, since the templates are just using like a sort of standard owner APIs, like lookup, factory four, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Since th- that's just how that works, adding support for this means that we also have to add support for add-on or namespace local things, like services, for example, where you can have a service now, and now it doesn't collide with the top-level apps service, right? You can have your own, like a local one, uh, based on where you're currently at and what your source is. Also, like there is basically a source option and a package option as new arguments in options POJOs to owner.lookup, factory for resolve registration, and has registration. 
I think it also will need to add one for register, though maybe that's missing. I'll have to comment on this, but yeah. I think <laughs> it's RFC. You, you your opportunity. Re- register and unregister, I think, probably will need similar treatment, I think. But uh, anyways, the, the point is now you can have an add-on. It can have its own little services. It doesn't have to worry about when it adds a service, it collides with the app namespace or clobbers, I think, or it gets clobbered and now your APIs are totally screwed. So I have a question, and I know this is like being really like off topic, maybe not off topic, but what if I were to yield an add-on imported component to the block of another template file? So I have my own personal component that doesn't require the use, but I've yielded in its template, I've yielded out a component that I pulled from an add-on. Do I have to then also add the use statement to that other template file? No, the, the use statement would only need to be where you're directly using the, the add-ons okay. thing, right? So if you, if you invoke some add-ons thing and then yield that out or... You maybe the add-on provides a helper, and you're using that helper to like control the yielded value or something like that. All of that's mm-hmm. totally fine. You only need the use statement in the place where you're actually using it in the file. It's like think about it like JS imports in that respect, where right, yeah. you're importing it in the file that actually uses the thing. If you had a function that returned it, you don't the caller doesn't have to import it. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, okay, that, yeah, this totally makes sense. I was just trying to think of like how this is kind of implemented. The simplest way that I reason about implementing this is just imagine that every one of the components and helpers in your app is in a giant with statement every in all of your templates, and all of those components and helpers are yielded as block params to a big giant with statement in your app. Yeah. So any invocation that you do in your app that's from your app stuff, boom, all these things are just automatically available to you like in that template space. Is right. that how Emberlet was implemented, like a, with an AST transform or something it, that does that? It was indeed, yes. And you can imagine use itself could, I totally envision polyfilling this behavior and allowing use as a statement in older Ember versions. Once we solidify on this and, and merge this you know, into like the canonical go forward way, we should be able to polyfill this with essentially expanding to a with, a with invocation with, yielding the name. Because right. before this... I think the only way to introduce a new name to a template was via block params. Right. Right. So that'd be like with or let or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like this a lot. I think this solves the problems that are outlined in the RSC very well. And it also kind of feels intuitive. It's not import. I feel like Matt stressed in his talk that it's not import and you can't really think of them as analogous, but they are, they are familiar. Remind right? me, John, nice what way. talk are you talking about? The talk where Matt Beal... Was at Ember NYC? I want to say it was last month. Was it last month? Yeah, I think it was mm. in June. I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, Matt introduced this very RFC before the RFC was actually finalized in a talk that is recorded at Ember NYC, and we will link to that for sure. It is excellent. It uh, covers a lot of the same uh, stuff we've talked about, and the RFC goes into greater detail, but it's a very fun talk and a great uh, introduction to the use helper. Yeah, I have to say that it's been really nice seeing how Matt's taken feedback like he's he's had to do many iterations of this and it's really nice to see how he's taken the feedback from various folks like some folks didn't like one aspect or another and either convinced them that like there's reasons the proposal was the way it was or like yeah you're right that that's a thing that I didn't think about or or I thought about it but I I weighed it in this other way and and try to balancing you know it's all balancing act on the design side yeah. so like we don't want to have every template have 20 imports right that would suck but at the same time, we don't want it to be confusing where things are coming from, right? So it's like a, like this really, I think the RCS written now like has this nice balance between what's sort of 
easy to understand and like where's something coming from versus being explicit, right? And and in the past, like past Ember has gone way too far in the automagically available land. And now we're sort of trying to do a course correction, but not do too much course correction because it is quite nice to just like pop down in the template and invoke some stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like, a, it's a balancing act, right? And I think, I think Matt's done a great job putting this together. And I know for sure that it's been a massive amount of time. And uh, thanks for putting it all together and sort of wrapping a nice bow up on it, on this update and getting it out there, Matt. It's an interesting thing that you think he listens to the podcast, you know, honestly. <laughs> we're going to have to poke him now. If he, if he doesn't respond to you, we're going to know that he didn't listen to this episode. Yeah, I'll just take a snippet and I'll send it to him. Just take a snippet. <laughs> my, my love letter to Matt Beal. TLDL, uh, this is the ch- the chunk we talked about, you, and you don't have to listen to the whole 45 minutes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Nothing important uh, yeah, in so, there. Um, so I guess to wrap a bow on this uh, little section, the RFC is 367. It outlines use. Definitely check it out. Uh, there's still time to comment. I think this is... Uh, not not that old. I think maybe it was from this week or the week. No, prior. I think he. I think it's today. Is it today? I don't know. I got. It'll be. It'll twit. be a week in the future, though. We're 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 time right. delayed. Nothing is ever today on this. Oh, show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Eight hours ago. Eight hours ago. <laughs> he tweeted when he submitted, it and he said he finally got the RFC up. And while I was on vacation, which I did take a vacation, but I came back just to uh, send a little uh, audible a love note to him in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So check out the RFC. I will also be linking to the talk uh, from Ember NYC where he outlines it in uh, a nice little slide deck. Check it out and uh, let us know if you have any comments on it. Hit us up on Twitter or the Slack channel. All right. Uh, And the next thing we're going to go over real quick is RC353. We don't have a title on it, but it's called Element Modifiers. Was this introduced by uh, Chad Hayatala? Yep, yep. And, And it replaces a previous RFC which was written, I think, by Matt Beal. I can't remember. Yeah, Matt Beal. In 2016, January of 2016. Wow. Yeah, and this this one's uh, really interesting. So, like many people, like element modifiers feel like, to me, I guess, old-style Ember, because the, the first time, I, I guess, I remember interacting with them was Bind Adder. So that style of, like, you're not setting it to an attribute. It's just kind of floating there on the element. Um, we still use it today with actions, but I guess a lot of people are probably moving away from that because there's other ways to uh, you know bind actions directly to DOM events rather than actually just having them as modifiers. Um, but this is kind of, um, I don't know, how, how would you describe it, Rob? Like solidifying like a public API for define, defining modifiers? Yeah, so, so today, like there is an element modifier that existed for like, I guess forever, I don't know, since 1.0, right, called action. And it's easy to reason about action being an element modifier as like, ah, it's a sort of, elevated thing from the system that like it's a magical keyword or something you could so you can imagine it being that when you go to think about it you couldn't write something in your app to to be like that right where you have access to elements and can write attributes and click handlers and stuff like that right that's not something you can write in your app code without writing just a component dropping down and writing a component to do it right so the idea here is to just make an api similar to a component API, like there are methods called did insert element and did update and will destroy element. Like those are the lifecycle hooks being proposed. And in those methods, you get access to the element that the modifier was on, right? So now you can imagine writing something like add event listener, which is, I guess, akin to what action does, right? Or remove event listener or like any list of things. Um, You could also imagine writing something like ref, if you're familiar with the ref system in React, where you could get access to 
given element and pass that element on to your host component. Now, you might ask, why the heck do you care about that? And the answer is largely because in sort of Glimmer components, uh, or if you've used the Sparkles component add-on, the component instance itself doesn't have access to the DOM that is the render template. There's no this.element. There's no this.bounds uh, exposed yet in Ember's implementation of Glimmer components. So, like, there's just no way to get to that DOM. So you, now, with these modifiers, you can imagine adding a nice little modifier on the thing you care about and having it do something. Like, you could imagine wanting to autofocus an input when it's rendered, right? You could put that in your template, and boom, it'll autofocus. Now, there's issues with that, depending on if you yield blocks and stuff. But anyways, the point is, you can now have a place to reuse this code. Right, so this this seems like a, um, a really useful place for, like, if you did something like, I, I want to say jQuery calendar, but some any any uh, any JavaScript library where all you're really doing is creating an element and then waiting for that did insert element to yep. get fired so that you can, like, you know, f- fire off some external library like 3JS or something to, yeah. like, say, this is the element you need to render on. Yeah. Um, so all you do here now is you don't have to write that JavaScript file. You just say, this thing is a, you know, 3JS whatever. Yep. I mean, yep. So sense? yeah, so I think I think uh, to reshuffle that a little bit, a good use case of element modifiers is any place where you're doing some JavaScript code on a sub element, not the this dot element, not the root element of a component, but some child element in the components template from did insert element. So if you have a thing that's like this dot dollar and some CSS selector or this dot element that query selector, and then do something like maybe add an attribute, do some class stuff, or kick off some jQuery widget or whatever, right? If you're doing that sort of stuff, that's a great thing that you could do with the modifiers here. So I think I understand the the purpose of these now. But when we were doing review, I had some questions around like the why of this. And I'd like to reiterate those. Uh, the first one is, uh, why would we introduce this new concept, this new primitive, especially in like element space, when we could just write a component. So for instance, an autofocusable or an autofocus input component, and it just instantiates a component and then focuses it or the graphing stuff or calendars or whatever. You could you could just create components. So what does this offer over using just regular components? There's a few things. First of all, I don't think anywhere in here you're going to see it says, hey, you shouldn't make components anymore. Components are dead. Long live L modifiers. <laughs> Oh, so, well, you know, that's going to be like the title so, of this uh, so, episode now. <laughs> so, so uh, like, that's just not the thing this is trying to do, right? So you're still going to have components. The components are still going to do this set of stuff. You're not going to want to make an element model for every possible thing you're going to want to do on an element. Just those, like, reusable ones or the common things or where maybe the only thing you need a component for is just this one little thing that you would do in digital element, right? Now, you can just have it be a template-only component. Right? You don't need a component.js file because it's just this one modifier thing. Right, It's more about composability than it is about like taking a shot across the bow of components. Right, the, the way to think about these is this is just a component that operates on the element instead of creating elements. Right, That's, that's mm. the way to think about it. Right, A component yeah, a emits DOM, emits new elements usually, I guess. I guess it doesn't have to, but that's the idea. Right, And modifiers get the DOM do some mutation, like add event listeners, add attributes, whatever it wants to do to that element, given it's, it's passed in arguments, like a helper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's expected to update them. Like that, that, Those are the difference, right? One emits DOM, one operates on DOM and updates DOM, right? They, right. They, that's, I guess, the simplest way to think about it. No, that, that's, a, that's a good distinction. I do have uh, a couple of practical concerns as well uh, that I brought up in review. And that is, it doesn't seem as if 
there are reserved words outlined in this RFC. How does Ember distinguish between an element modifier and, for instance, the built-in action, which is in the same space? I don't think it's mentioned because I don't think that it's a thing that we necessarily need to deal with. I think you could totally write a helper today that's called if, and you pwn yourself, right? You could totally do that. Don't do that, right? Like, you can write action as a element modifier. I don't know why you would, but maybe maybe you want to. I think, like, th- this RFC does not say what, what wins, quote-unquote, the built-in or the user-registered one, though I suspect mm. that just a naive implementation would say that the built-in one would win, I, I think. Pretty sure. Yeah, or, I mean, I would expect it to, to throw an error. Um, at yes. least in development mode, yeah. because well, otherwise that would know, be right? a you good just way did to curly, curly action. It can't really know that you didn't mean Ember's action, right? Like, there's no way for it to know. Well, no, but if you, if you, I'm assuming that the modifiers have to be registered somewhere. And uh, no, so similar to helpers, you just invoke them, and when you invoke them, we go look them. Oh, up. I see. Oh, okay. So there's no, there's no like actual container holding all of the. Yeah, I mean it's the mod, the modules on disk, I guess, but yeah. This whole thing, like this very first example they have would become very confusing because if you changed add event listener to just be action, like you made your own action one, um, it's actually using the action helper inside, which I think would still work, right? Yeah, yeah. So because one of them is a modifier, one of them is a helper. Yeah, now now, we should, in my opinion, we should update this example to use like bind as a a helper instead of action, right? Because it's weird to Mm -hmm. call action save, pass it to add event listener collect. Like that is, it hurts my brain. You should just use action save and you'd have been done. Like, this would be shorter, right? So I think yeah. there's a difference between using the quote-unquote closure action, which, which is actually using action as a helper. There are actually two different things in Ember, two different implementations. One is action as an element modifier, and the other one is action as a helper. We commonly right. call the helper one closure actions. And the other one is like element actions or whatever. I don't know. I don't think, it's just the old style actions, quote-unquote, right? I mean, we're going to start calling it modifier soon. Yep, that's how, that's what we should call it, right? That's that is <laughs> yeah, the right. I mean, name. it is a built-in modifier, yep. basically. So there's the one other thing I noticed about this is that it seems like this kind of behavior of uh, these are like very functional parts of the component that like the component template doesn't have to handle. They don't need a lot of state, um, so they're very functional. This is the kind of thing that I've seen solved with mixins a lot. So it seems like this would just kill a lot of mixins. So I think I'm totally fine with. We it. can only hope. <laughs> So I'm pro this, but it feels like this is like, because my initial thought was that this is adding another thing for people to learn, but I think this is adding another tool that you can reach for, basically. Is that is that how I'm meant to, to think about so, this? So is yes, that- but I also think you could take a slightly different perspective of your first possible critique, which is that instead of there, there already is a new special thing you have to learn called action. How do you reason about how that works? Well, wouldn't it be great mm-hmm. if there was just a way for you to reason about how it worked and it applied, you got to use that knowledge in other ways, right? Yeah, so you're true. already learning yeah. about LM modifiers, whether you know it or not, if you write Ember yeah, that's today, true. right? Yeah. So, so now you can just, just use it. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a good way to think about it. So uh, I guess my last concern was about like where state is managed. I think in a component, you could pass in like bound things to the element modifier and do things with them like you might expect, but you could also contain and store state inside of the element modifier itself so you do have to actually like kind of be responsible with your application of these so that you don't end up like doing things that subvert user expectations, like yep, other, exactly. other developer expectations. Yeah, and, and like, you know, a good example is don't add event listeners that you don't clean up, right? Like that is already a good, mm-hmm. a good thing to think about, right? 
end components. If you set up something in digital elements, you should really think really hard about whether you need to tear that thing down before destruction, right? Like that's a thing you ought to be already thinking, right? So that doesn't really change here, right? There's totally things you can do in digital element for setup, like maybe you add a class or something and, you know, you, just, you don't need to remove it before destruction, right? It's just going to go away, right? So right. that that's fine. But like, you know, all sorts of event listenery things uh, or like initialize some rich text editor widget and then you want to grab the data before it's torn down, something like that, right? All of that is stuff you need to do. Now, the, you can totally have state management problems, like where you have your updating, like you get a did update, which is one of the lifecycle hooks where new arguments are passed. Like uh, right. maybe maybe you change, now you're not like if listening to click anymore, you want to listen to some other bound type, like uh, event type, maybe mm-hmm. blur or something. I guess these are stupid examples, but whatever. If this was a thing you wanted to do, you'd have to say, ah, I, I need to tear down the old event listener that I created and set up a new one, right? Like you just, that state you have to manage. Right. That doesn't mean you have to support it, right? It just means that if that's a thing you want to support, you've got to do the work to do it. Yeah. I So I'm already imagining, and I, and I want you on record here, I'm already imagining uh, because uh, this store, for instance, is universally injectable because it's services, I'm already waiting for somebody to do, like in element space, do things that access the store. I, and I, I know this is going to come up. And I, I, want, I want your opinion. I'm thinking that that's a bad idea. Uh, Maybe. no comment. I don't know. I, I think, uh, so it's been asked a bunch of times, like, are components allowed to use the store? Can I use mm-hmm. number data from yeah. a component? I think. <laughs> sure, sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You absolutely can. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think that that's the wrong question to ask, I guess. Okay. So I think. What's the right question So I think the, the question to ask is, should the thing that owns data use the data store? And the answer is yes. So if your component is the thing that owns the data, then it should totally be doing the data requests. If your component isn't the thing, like maybe it's the route, maybe it's passed in, then that's where you should be doing the data, managing the data, right? This is what data down actions app is all about. It's not that everything has to come from the route. It's that the thing that owns the data has to be the owner of the data and everything that wants to mutate it or, or deal with it should send an action to that object, right? Like that's what that's about. Anyways, that's totally a cop-out answer. I can't imagine. I, it, it, is, it is not the answer. I want you to say no. I know. Don't I, I, do I, that I cannot imagine, because it's bad. I cannot imagine off the top of my head a case where you would want to do a query in a element modifier. The only like cases right. that I, like I'm stretching here, like, auto, like autocomplete, maybe, maybe, or um, I think like I th- that could do think a one example that was actually given in the RFC is about page tracking. You could totally imagine wanting to fire off a. Like, you know, this this was viewed sort of thing on a sure. scroll on yeah. some events. Like, that seems reasonable to me. And if you happen to use the store for that sort of tracking, then so be it, right? Yeah. You could also imagine using, like, the Google Analytics, like, built-in thing or, like, whatever, right? So, when, when your widget comes into view, you fire a tracking event. That seems like a very natural thing to do and want to do. And today, people do it by having components and then have the components yield a block, and then you put your actual template code in the block. Whereas now, you right. can just put your, like, write your HTML and assign a, like, track impression or track page view thing to your template. And I think that's great. That's, a, a like, one less layer of useless abstraction that you don't need, right? Or that you can get rid of. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. So I guess to to summarize this is element modifiers are cool. Definitely check out their RFC. It seems as if 
the element modifiers RFC is still in kind of the early stage of the RFC, like very new, and it's not necessarily dovetailing like our previous RFC. It's not dovetailing on, on an already established RFC. What so. you're talking about, it was originally submitted in January of 2016. Something like this was. Yep, yep, yep. Something like this. No, I, 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 I totally agree with you. Uh, sorry, I was just trolling you. But yeah, it's totally a. You said I. I'm not a guest anymore, so I control you. No, you're not. No, no, you're 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 on board. This is. I'm 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 down with this. I guess my point is uh, is that uh, it is still in in flight. There. Are, this is like the. This is a prime time to check to in, get your comments. comments in. Yeah, yeah, give some feedback. Uh, exactly. The, the the thing you said, John, about the like reserve keywords. I think that's totally a good question. I think today the only one that we would have in the space would be action. Action. But yep. good question about whether we that was should the first reserve one. others. I was like, what if or, I make an action? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to work the way you want to, but it totally should <laughs> this, be. We should just like forbid it, basically. Yeah, I, I think yeah, there yeah, and it seems it seems like that there's a thing there, but 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 it also may be nice to have some other a namespace that. Like maybe it's a combination of the use helper and Ember's source as the namespace or something. But there should be a way for Ember because Ember wants to provide some keywords. Like I'm, I presume at some point in time, we'll want to add an ad event listener and slowly phase out the magicalness of action as a name right. or as a concept, right? And if we do that, um, it would kind of suck if you wrote ad event listener in your app and then that got clobbered by Ember's thing. So anyways... So it might be a good thing to talk about, about where where do things that Ember wants to provide, like input or text area or whatever, right. uh, or link to, where do they come from as different from the app's own namespace? And, and like, how do we deal with that? That's a great question. I expect to see your comment. <laughs> uh, of course, of course. So as as we just mentioned, the commenting is is a, it is a good time. There is a lot of uh, stuff here that I think is really great. So check out the RFC. Uh, I don't think there's been any talks on this yet, so I can't link you to anything other than the RFC yet. But follow the discussion. There's a lot of really cool stuff to be learned here and to be discussed. I think this is a pretty cool uh, tool in the toolkit. So uh, yeah, so check it out. And that's all we have for this uh, Ember Weekend. I'm uh, Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And. 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 Oh, I'm Robert Jackson. Yay! He did it. The outro. We will see you uh, next week. Or, sorry, two weeks from now, I think, is the general cadence we have. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, if you have any uh, uh, questions or concerns or want to talk, reach out to us on our Slack channel. It's topic-emberweekend. Or on Twitter at emberweekend, all one word. And we will see you next week. Bye.